and give me 25. I'm the gunny. It's time for the court with gunny it's, it's time for the gunny. It's time. It's time. The quarter deck. Lights, lights, lights. Get online right now. You got 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, 0. The quarter deck. It's time for the gunny. Hello, my bunch of knuckle-dragging, beer-drinking, hard-charging devil dogs. You're listening to the quarter deck. I am your host, Miguel, the Gunny Signs. Get out the bus! I do solemn swear. I do solemn swear. That I will support you. This week on the quarterdeck, we're going to talk a little bit about our next adventure down there while we were going on our deployment on our West Pacific float down there on the stop down there to UAE. We're also going to discuss a couple of... uh, current events that have been going on as far as in the Marine Corps and the changes and everything that have been going on. Uh, We're going to take a look at uh, a couple of interesting facts that were actually brought to my attention by some of our duty NCOs in our duty NCO uh, portion of our podcast. So we'll take a look at some of those so we can go ahead and get caught up on everything that has been going on. For those of you that are just joining me, this is Miguel the gunny signs and you are listening to the quarter deck here on all of your podcast streaming services that are out there. Well, I hope that everybody's had a great week as far as here. It's been hot, really hot. You know, we're in an excessive heat warning, so it's kind of hard to go outside. Still waiting to hear back to start working. Hopefully soon we'll be able to get back to work. However, we're going to go ahead and continue to do our podcast every single week to make sure that, I can stay in contact with everybody and all you guys out there that are listening to the podcast. And I want to thank all of you guys that are out there because of you. It is starting to grow little by little. And I'm getting more people to actually start listening to these podcasts that I do every single week. Now, as many of you know, you know, there's many issues going on throughout the world. And we want to make sure that we stay focused on what's going on. As far as me, you guys know that I don't talk about politics. I don't talk about any of that stuff. I don't think that it's a place here to discuss those things. So we'll make sure we keep them off of here. Last time we talked, we were talking about the time that we stopped over there in Hong Kong on the first Liberty Port. This week, I'm going to go over a little bit with you guys of some of the experiences that we happened to have on my first deployment out there when we stopped in UAE, the United Arab Emirates. That's a tongue twister, huh? Well, anyway, we stopped there at UAE to actually get resupplied and get a little bit of time off. They're not not actually Liberty out there in UAE, but they're at the port and stuff and everything because there is a small base that is there of Marines that are actually based there, and that's where all the ships do stop there to do their resupplying and stuff. Well, again, we were on board the USS Fort Fisher, and, you know, like I mentioned to you guys a couple episodes ago, we talked about how it was an all-male crew. There was no females on board. So we stopped here at the port, 
you know, cleaned our guns, the housers, did our maintenance and everything. And we were able to get off of the ship to go out there to some of the little local shops that they had there on the base. Now, new to me was that they were actually going to have a USO show that was going to be there to, you know, give us a little bit of entertainment while we were there to get our minds off of these things. And I can remember that my section chief, he said, hey, you might want to go down there to a USO show. I heard they're going to have some kind of cheerleaders that are down there that came to actually do a show for all the service members. So I was like, cool. So, you know, a bunch of us got off of the boat, went down there to look at the actual show they were going to do. To my surprise... What they had planned for the service members that was down there is that the Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders had made the trip all the way down to UAE to give us a show. Now, for those of you that know me, you know that I am a huge Dallas Cowboys fan. So for me, this was amazing. It was an experience that I, you know, I never thought that I was going to get to do because up to that point, I had never really gone to any Cowboys games because I just wasn't able to. The only time that I've ever seen the cheerleaders was actually on TV. So we went down there and actually sat down and watched the whole entire show. And it was very interesting because, you know, we thought that they were just going to be out there doing cheering and all those kind of crazy stuff. But they actually had a whole choreographed show that they did. They even had some of the service members actually go there and participate in the actual show that they did. So it was, it was quite interesting. You know, the show went on for about, I would say about an hour, hour and a half. They had a good show there for us. And, you know, they talked to us about the Cowboys. You know, and of course, that day, everybody that was there, everybody was a Cowboys fan because the cheerleaders were there. So that, you know, made it a very exciting day. Well, they were there for the whole entire time that we were actually there on the port. The very next day, they had decided that they were going to go visit the ships to see how the Marines and the sailors lived. Now, remember, our ship is a all male crew now you know here we are we're thinking that they're going to come by our ship and you know just kind of walk around get a tour and you know just basically know what the ship is about you know to our surprise they were going to come on actually have lunch with us and sit there and you know give us an opportunity to talk to them about what they do and all those things now we assumed that they were going to come out there in their jumpsuits whatever you know covered up but no they came in there with their full cowgirl setup You know, the little blue shorts, white tops with stars, and cowboy boots. Here we are, you know, about 300 sailors and Marines. They have never really had the opportunity to see any females for three months now. And here they come on the ship. Everybody was pretty much fighting to sit next to them down there at the chow hall and spend time with them and actually talk to them. But they they were pretty down to earth and they allowed all all the sailors and Marines to actually, you know, take turns coming in as well as they had uh, a picture of the whole entire squad for that year of the Dallas Cowgirls. This was, this was back in 1997, and they autographed the pictures and all those things for us, and that way we were able to you know, get our minds distracted from a couple of things there. Now, to this day, I don't know what the heck happened to my signed autographed picture that I had from those Dallas Cowgirls. I have an idea what happened to it. I think my ex-wife threw, the, threw it away when I came back from deployment, but I don't know what the heck happened to it. So our time down there in UAE was fairly exciting. Now, to this point, I really had never gone to any country that was out there in the Middle East. You know, so it was kind of different. The security was very, was heightened. Uh, the Marines that were down there, you know, receiving hazardous pay. We were getting hazardous pay as well because we were down there in that part of the world. And as many of you know, you know, in the Marine Corps, you're ready to go from one day to the other, 24 hours a day seven days a week, 
365 days a year, you're packed, you're ready to go. So if anything pops off, you're ready to leave that very next day. Our next stop from here, we're going to get on the boat and then we're going to actually head out to Jordan. Now in Jordan is where we were going to go and actually link up with the Jordanian army and actually do a four week training exercise with them, a joint operation where we're going to go train with them. You know, we're going to provide fire support and train them a little bit more on some of the weapon systems that they had. So they'll be able to see, you know, some of those things that we did while we were out there conducting our missions and everything. Now, once we got to Jordan, very different. You know, first of all, it was hot. You know, you can just imagine out there in the Middle East in the hot summer time, it's it's hot. Now, we pulled off of the port there in Jordan, and we had to, first of all, get to the actual bases where we were going to leave from to head out there to the training area. Now, our guns and trucks and vehicles and everything were offloaded off of the ship. We were able to stage them out there and get ready to actually head out to where we were going. Now, we were not going to be able to actually drive our vehicles from that port down there to the training facility. They had to be loaded up on trucks, and their drivers, the Jordanian drivers from the Jordanian Army, were the ones that were going to actually drive their vehicles from there to the training area to get our guns there for us to do all of our training. Now, me being the driver of my vehicle, I ended up having to be the A driver for the Jordanian driver that was going to take our howitzer and our truck from the pier down the port where we offloaded everything down there to the training facility. Now it was me and another Marine and, you know, kind of weird because we were, you know, we were having fire watches there to watch our vehicles, make sure they were loaded. They were strapped down all those things for us to make sure we're ready to go. Now over there, it was weird for us because they had, their customs are very, very different. First of all, we were told that we're not supposed to shake hands with our, with our left hand at all with them for any reason at all whatsoever. That's the hand that they used to wipe their butt. So you want to make sure that they don't do that and they don't believe in shaking hands with their left hand. As well as they told us that you never want to show them the the bottom of your feet. I guess that's somehow very disrespectful down there with them. I, you know, I don't know if it's true or not, but that's what they told us. And also, you know, they're, they're very affectionate, you know, and they're affectionate towards each other. The males are very affectionate with each other. To us that, you know, no, we don't do that kind of stuff and anything. So we just kind of, you know... They didn't frown upon it because that's their business, whatever. So we just kind of like, whoa, these people are doing some craziness. So the next day, we were actually loaded up on our vehicle and got in there with that uh, Jordanian Army soldier and got ready to head down there. Now, mind you that they did not speak any lick of English at all whatsoever. And for me, I don't speak freaking Arabic. So, you know, the communication barrier kind of was there. You know, hand and arm signals, all those things. But you always find a way to communicate with each other. Now, back then, I used to smoke. I used to smoke cigarettes all the time and everything. So, you know, able to share cigarettes with this dude while we're driving. And the thing is that I was trying to make sure to keep this guy awake because he was falling asleep driving down there. It was about, I would say it's maybe about a six-hour drive from where we were to where we were going. And this guy was freaking bobbing. You know, his head was bobbing up and down trying to freaking keep him awake to make sure that, you know, we were going to make it there, first of all, because here he was swerving left and right on the road. And we got our freaking five ton and the howitzer in the back of the truck. And we want to make sure that we get there in one piece. So trying to keep this guy awake was an adventure. But eventually we got down there to the training facility, got everything set up. You know, we were uploaded with our ammunition, getting ready to go do our fire missions and to conduct our training. Now, one of the highlights of the whole time that we were there was that we were actually doing helo operations where they were going to pick up the howitzers with a helo. And this they were using the CH-53, the Echoes. That's what they were using to pick up the howitzers when we were down there. One thing that I remember very distinctly 
is that we were doing one of those, those air raids and something happened, I guess, with that. They had the howitzer up about maybe 30 feet up in the air, I would say. Yeah, about 30 feet. And I guess the helo was starting to sway back and forth. And the gun underneath was going back and forth and was kind of pulling the helo every which way you can possibly think. And for whatever reason, they decided to release the gun. And here it is falling from the sky straight into the ground like a lawn dart. And the muzzle stuck in the ground. And so here we have a gun sticking with the two straight into in the ground in the sand. And I remember our battery gunner, sorry, he was furious. He was upset, freaking running over there, yelling at everybody, jumping around because he was upset. That was our that was our gun. Now we had to make sure that nothing was wrong with the house or that, you know, it, it was still the sights were still working. Everything was level. Everything worked. Uh, there was no cracks in the barrel. All those things because they decided to just release the gun from that height. So that was an adventure for us out there in actual Jordan. And like I said, that went out for about a month. And then we finally got ready to go back on the boat. Now we ended up leaving a couple of Marines that stayed on the boat because they were still part of the working parties that were working for the chow hall and help with the embarkation and debarkation of the ship. Uh, they were part of what's known as ship's platoon and they handled all those things. And one thing that we did find out once they came back is that life aboard the ship, it was completely different when the Marines weren't on board. They told us that they had a big giant movie night where they set up a big screen, watched movies out there on the flight deck. Uh, the chow was completely different. They were having steak, lobster, all kinds of good chow. Now, mind you that every single day we got used to eating chicken. That's pretty much basically what they served us every day when we were on the ship. We had chicken in different kinds of ways, chicken this, chicken that. And we had, I think, steak and lobster we had at one time when we were aboard the ship. That was it. So, you know, we were kind of upset that we didn't get the same kind of treatment that the Navy did once we were not on board the ship. So that was my adventure down there in Jordan. So next week we're going to talk a little bit more about, you know, when we actually got back and we actually stopped to Australia on our next Liberty Report on our way back, heading back towards the States. The quarter deck. Stories from, from the, the duty, duty NCO. Oh, hell oh, no. Oh, hell no. You gotta be you kidding, gotta be kidding me. me. This week, a couple of facts that were actually shared with us on our Facebook page were some of the facts about the United States Marine Corps. I'm going to go through these with you guys one by one, and uh, I got a chuckle out of these because, you know, somebody shared it with me down there. I don't know who it was. They didn't put their name or anything, but they wanted to share it with us. So first things first, United States Marine Corps facts. Fear of spiders is arachnophobia. Fear of tight spaces is claustrophobia. Fear of Marines is called logic. There used to be a street named the Marines, but it was changed because no one can cross the Marines and live. Some Marines have a grizzly bear carpet in the room. The bear isn't dead. It's just afraid to move. Now that one, I've heard it before, but also talking about Chuck Norris. So that one's not too new. The Marines have already been to Mars. That's why there's no signs of life. <laughs> that one was interesting, right? Some magicians can walk on water. Marines can swim through land. Go sit around the campfire and tell Marine stories. Death once had a near Marine experience. The Marine is the reason why Waldo is hiding. A Marine won American Idol using only sign language. <laughs> That'd be kind of weird to see. When the boogeyman goes to sleep every night, he checks his closet for Marines. There is no theory of evolution, just a list of animals that Marines allow to live. When a Marine does a push-up, he isn't lifting himself up. He's pushing the earth down. Prisons don't keep society safe from criminals. Prison keep criminals safe from the Marines, for now. 
outer space exists because it's afraid to be on the same planet with the Marines. When a Marine is born, the only person crying was the doctor. You never slap a Marine. When a Marine throws you into a bottomless pit, you hit the bottom. If a Marine's weapon were to ever run out of ammo, his weapon would continue to fire out of fear of disappointing the Marine. Guns are warned not to play with a Marine. A Marine, counted to infinity twice, can build a house from the roof down. Doesn't call the wrong number, you answer the wrong phone. And Superman once fought each other on a bet. The loser had to start wearing his underwear on the outside of his trousers. <laughs> can cut through a hot knife with butter. Doesn't flush the toilet, it scares the shit out of it. Can slam a revolving door. Whenever have a heart attack, his heart isn't nearly foolish enough to attack him. Once killed a horse with his chin. Its descendants are known today as giraffes. Once got bit by a rattlesnake. After three days of pain and agony, the rattler died. Can light a fire by rubbing two ice cubes together. Doesn't read books. He stares them down until he gets the information he wants. Doesn't wear a watch. He decides what time it is. Does not sleep. He waits. Once made a Happy Meal cry. Runs until the treadmill gets tired. So you guys can see a couple of interesting facts that were actually put on there that they wanted to share with us. So there's lots of craziness like that that's out there. You know, and I'm sure you guys can probably find a lot more of them out there that you have run into or seen. I remember that back in the day, uh, I think, yeah, it was during the invasion when we were down there in Iraq in 2003. Now, this was back down there when I was with Romeo Battery 511. So those of you that were with me, maybe you guys can help me remember or help me find out, you know, who wrote this. But everybody knows that there is the NCO Creed. There is the staff NCO Creed. Somebody out there, before we were ready to cross the border from Kuwait into Iraq, wrote the Lance Corporal Creed. I've been looking everywhere for it, trying to find it. I haven't had any luck or anything to try to find where it's at or anything. So if you know who has it or who actually wrote that, by all means, please, you know, let them know that I am looking for it. Guide them through our Facebook page on the quarter deck. They're on Facebook. Tag us, link us, do whatever you want to do to make sure that we can get that so we can go ahead and get it right on here. So again, remember that you can listen to the quarter deck on any of the podcast streaming services that are out there now. We have evolved. We have grown. And thanks to you guys, we are getting noticed and a lot more people are actually starting to listen to us and be able to hear what we have to say. Again, this wouldn't be possible without the stories that you guys share to me. And soon here, we're going to go ahead and start taking interviews so we can discuss some of these things that we did. So those of you that were out there actually with me on some of these deployments, on some of these things that we did, hey, reach out to me. We can, we can sit down, we can talk, we can listen to your point of view on some of the things that actually happened while we were out there. This week I ran across a interesting article that was written about a PFCA recruit that has shot one of the highest scores that they did on the rifle range. His name is PFC Austin Farrell. Now when he transitioned from recruit to a Marine, his senior drone instructor gave him one simple piece of advice. What he said was stay humble. Uh, he told him that as he handed him his Eagle Glowman anchor, once he finished the crucible and was getting ready to become a United States Marine. As many of you know, that this is the sign that recruits 
finally understand that now they're going to earn the title of United States Marines after those three months of uh, grueling recruit training that they go through. Now, remaining humble after Marine Corps recruit boot camp is a challenge for any new Marine. You know, your motto, you got the high and tight, you're all those, you want to show everybody that you accomplished those. So those are one things that you have to make sure that you focus on. But for Farrell, who was declared the deadliest recruit on board Paris Island, South Carolina, when he beat the rifle range record, the challenge might be even greater than that, though. Okay, the new Marine scored a total of 248 out of the possible 250 points that you can receive on the table one uh, qualification range that you shoot. Now that followed it by a perfect 100 on table two portion of the qualifications. That helped to earn him the recruit record on board Paris Island, South Carolina. And this is under the modern scoring system. So this is going to be a record that's probably going to sit there for a while. Uh, table two consists of close range fire, you know, multiple targets, moving targets that was added to the Marine Corps uh, qualifications back in 2005. So, you know, a lot of people might not be used to that rifle range score, but that is how it is scored now. Now, prior to that, uh, only table one, which consists of shooting from the prone, the kneeling, the standing, and the sitting position from the 200-yard line, 300-yard line, and the 500-yard line, that counted towards the score for the recruits. He gained the attention of his drill instructors early during his time at boot camp, being appointed the guide during his second week of training and holding on to that position through graduation. That's what he told the Marine Corps Times. But it was the on the rifle range where he knew that those skills would shine, skills that he had prior to him coming into recruit training. He told uh, people that I have been shooting since I was five or six years old. I started with a 22 caliber rifle with my father and it changed me drastically since then, since I was at that age. He said that he also heard plenty of recruits bragging about how good of a shot they were before his platoon time on the range, but he opted to remain quiet. He didn't want to tell anybody anything about his uh, past experiences with shooting. But when he saw that the rifle range displayed the name of the record-holding recruit for platoons to see as they marched by, he had to speak up. I was joking with my PMI, which is the primary marksmanship instructor, the day before pre-call, that if I broke the record, how long it would take to get my name on the board. You know, that's what he told his PMI. And, of course, the instructor just smirked, thinking that he was just another overconfident kid. Uh, Farrow said that the first day of shooting was pretty mediocre. Instead of hitting black with each shot, he spent his time getting to know the rifle, uh, focusing on getting tight grouping before adjusting a rifle. Uh, and now, you know, the recruits shoot with a combat octave scope. It's not iron sights anymore, so they shoot with that. Uh, during the second practice, through the run-through of Table 1, he said his score jumped roughly 40 points, but he still wasn't satisfied with how high that score was. When it came time for his score to actually count, Ferry knew that he could beat the range high score. So he had a good general idea that he could beat the score. He said that, he said, uh, you know, and I quote, I was pretty confident that I was going to shoot very well. I wasn't worried about it, honestly, end quote. He breezed through the 200-yard line, which requires you, you as a Marine to shoot at at least stable, which is the standing position, with a perfect score raising some eyes from the coaches, uh, marksmanship instructors that were on the actual firing line. And this is what he had to say, quote, I had the range NCO and a lot of coaches coming up to me and ripping the scorecard out of my hand of the recruit keeping score, end quote. So they actually probably couldn't believe that 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 was the score that he did. And this is another quote that he stated there, quote, I was told by recruits in the pits that were doing my target that all the drill instructors were there talking to make sure I wasn't cheating. Because they couldn't believe it either, end quote. 
Now, once he moved to the 300-yard line, he was already confident in his abilities, and he said that the 100% sure he would break the range record. So it was at this yard line in the sitting position where he dropped his only two points. And he stated that that's something that's going to haunt him forever because he dropped those two points. And he quoted saying, I'm honestly not sure what happened there. I thought they were good shots, but something was off. The first couple of days after I did break the record, I was more disappointed in myself than excited. There is no excuse for missing those two points. And he also stated that later on when he got back to the squad bay after the day on the range, he said that his drill instructors made him pay for those two missed shots that he missed on the rifle range, of course, on the quarter deck. So on the 500-yard line, he said he started to feel pressure once he was shooting out there. Uh, he knew that he had already lost two points. So he pretty much had to get a perfect score from the 500-yard line to meet his goal, to actually beat the record. You know, once he got into the prone position and he actually started to fire, he knew that that record was his. You know, of course, he didn't tell anybody, but that's what he knew. He knew he was going to break the record. He called his final shot before the recruits in the pit raised the target. And he quoted, one of the coaches asked me on the last shot if it was a five. I said, yes, sir, before it came back up, end quote. Now, when it came time for the range on table two portion of the range, Farrell, he didn't think for a second he'd drop a point because all the shooting he had done at home. He had shot more rounds than in table two scenario. In table one, he said, I actually have an AR that I put new bearer on and I shot 6,000, 7,000 rounds through it before he actually came into the course. So he was pretty confident in shooting his table two. And he never heard anyone, you know, disparage his accomplishment for shooting with a rifle combat octave and not iron sights uh, that he had already prepared with, you know, comebacks in case that happened. So he knew what to say in case somebody said that to it. And he quoted, there is no point in shooting iron sights in a range if you're never going to use iron sights in the field when there is far superior technology to take a better shot, end quote. He also stated that, you know, that you should practice the way that you're actually going to use it. The more the Marines can make it home themselves, you know, the better because you're, you're working with the kind of gear and the equipment that you actually had. Now, he graduated. He is expected to graduate from boot camp on September 4th, so that's coming up here pretty soon. And currently, right now, he is with Kilo Company, 3rd Recruit Training Battalion. Now, even though his career is just starting, uh, Farrow has stated that he has plans for his time in the Marine Corps. He signed an intelligence contract and eventually wants to join the Marine Special Operations Command and put his shooting skills to work as a Marine Corps sniper. And I got to say that, you know, with his qualifications that he has now and the experience that he has, that's, that plan is not far off. So, you know, wish him good luck in his career, his future endeavors, and hope that he uses his skills for the best of our Corps. The quarter deck. This week we talked about the experiences in United Arab Emirates down there, my first experience with the USO show. We also talked about training exercise with the Jordanian army and how that went about as far as getting there and, and their culture and what they actually do out there. The Marine Corps facts. There are so many out there and we covered a couple of them. Now you all know that they're not actual facts facts, but these are facts that Marines say supposedly that Marines are and Marines do. So I look forward to hear, hearing more of those from all of you guys. And always remember that you can find us on all of your podcast streaming services that are available out there. You can join us here every single week. You can join me, The Gunny, and I'm more than happy to answer any questions that you may have. Uh, look us up on our social media, on our Facebook page at Quarterdeck with Gunny Signs. Put any comments, any remarks, or anything that you may want to know about will be listed on there. So until next week, this is the Gunny sounding Liberty Call.